Hello, hello, Heather Jean here with another episode of Confidence Through Cabaret, the podcast and the vodcast. If you are listening to this on podcast, you should know that we are on YouTube, Confidence Through Cabaret channel on the vodcast playlist. You'll be able to check out the video version. And if you're here with us on YouTube, then check out the podcast version. It's all audio anywhere you get your podcast, search Confidence Through Cabaret. So I'm really excited to um, be be sharing this episode with you because, you know, we talk a lot about that mind-body connection in Confidence Through Cabaret and in other places as well. I think it's no surprise to most of us that, you know, our thoughts are creating our, our physical reality and, and, and vice versa. But very often we start from our head and we start from our thinking. And, and what we want to do in this episode is really turn that on its head and really talk about, you know, the nervous system and the experiences that we're creating for ourselves. So my guest today is a somatic experiencing practitioner, multidimensional guide and intuitive healer. And she is going to talk with us all about the physical and energetic bodies uh, so that we can integrate the change and the growth and the expansion that we're looking for in growing our confidence. Such a long bio, so much to discuss. I want to get straight into it. So let me introduce you to Sarah Vittori. Hello, hello, Sarah. Jean, so glad to be here. Thank you. I should say you have also written four books. You're a mother of two, homeschooling, and and basic all around Wonder Woman. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that compliment. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, how did you get into this field of work? Sure. Yeah, always a long journey. But I was a guidance counselor in a high school, and the minute I stepped in, I realized I didn't want to work in a system. <laughs> so, my father is a um, Kind of nationally known sports performance consultant. And so he had said to me, why don't you come and work with me and you can kind of get out of the school. So while I was working in the school for five years, I did the somatic experiencing training because it's a modality that he blends in with his work with athletes. And so then I decided to quit my job and take care of myself and start my own business and started really working a lot with uh, high performance athletes and athletes of all levels and ages and stages, and then performers in helping them sort of overcome blocks and fears and really embody confidence. And so that was sort of my in. And as I started working in the sports world, um, I love uh, supporting other women and other entrepreneurs. And so I started to sort of in tandem really explore my somatic healing and integration practice. And so now I sort of do both things. I work a lot with athletes and performers and, and I work a lot with entrepreneurs who are feeling like, you know, they want to be confident, um, but they just can't get their bodies to sort of line up with that. So yeah, that's sort of in a nutshell. <laughs> what is some, yeah, just, just, just a short, short whistle stop tour of your whole life. <laughs> What, what is what is somatic experiencing? Yeah, great question. So somatic experiencing is a modality that was created by a gentleman named Peter Levine. And we're looking at our mammalian survival responses and our biological automatic protective programs as sort of like the foundation of behavior. So we're looking all at how like how we're wired as mammals because we're designed to protect our bodies and be safe and not die. 
that takes sort of foundational preference over whether we want to speak in front of a group of 100 people or whether we want to get our bodies to go backwards on a you know, on a beam you know, high up above the air. So those sort of survival responses kick in and take precedent and, and interrupt our ability to really shine or execute in the way that we want to, whether we're in front of a group of people or whether we're on stage. And so Peter Levine's work sort of got put into this title of somatic experiencing. And so you're learning all about the nervous system, all about our responses and how we can recondition and repattern and reprogram our bodies to get them to do what we want them to do, to not fear or doubt or sort of kick into that negative thinking when we're about to do something that we're maybe excited and a little nervous about, but know that we can do. Yeah, so it's interesting because very often people would say, let's say we wanted to go on a stage or we wanted to, I, I'm an aerial dancer, so I, I like to work at, I love to work at height, in fact. Yes. And yet for other people, that is their version of hell. And so <laughs> I, I think, I think when, when, when we think about doing that work of being able to, to do those things that we want to, we think about getting our head around it, right? And, and, and thinking about, you know, where's, where's that fear coming from and so on. But you're talking about that, that the body's kind of almost knowing yeah. that this is dangerous. Don't do it. You could fall and land on your head. Yes, exactly. The body has this innate intelligence and it really is designed to protect us. And over the years, based on sort of our ancestral patterns, right? So our family patterns, are, it could not even be our lifetime. It could be our parents or our parents' parents based on their experiences, based on our own experiences in our lives. All of that stacks in the body. And we learn, our bodies are smart. It learns where have we failed, like wh where have we failed? Where have you hurt yourself, either emotionally or physically? And then it actually kicks in and tries to prevent you from doing those things again. So, so our body is quite wise. And so we want to learn how to sort of tap into what is communicating so we can be working with that. You can want to be confident all you want. You can think you're confident. You can know that. You can do all the mindset work. But if your body is sensing danger, and I'm putting danger in quotes because danger is like perception of danger, memory of danger, um, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, right? It doesn't have to be like a physical danger, right? Like you're saying in your aerial work, right? You're actually putting your body in a setup, right? Where you could fall and hurt yourself and your body knows that. And so it's about in all of these cases, working to condition the body to trust that doing the aerial work is actually safe or speaking in front of a group of people isn't going to to kill you, right? Like, I mean, I'm using that word, but really our body has these huge physical responses if we're going to die. And, and so we get to help teach our physiology. It's so neat that, no, speaking in front of a group or going live on Facebook or getting up on stage isn't going to be, you know, something that um, harms you. Yeah, and it's interesting because I very often talk about uh, the the feeling in my body before I go on a stage that is excitement that I could easily define as terrifying. Yeah. Um, 
but I choose to see it as excitement because I enjoy that adrenaline. Yes. Um, which is very much a, a mindset thing, but but it but it's but it's my interpretation of what my body is doing. Yeah, and I would say it's mindset, but it's also physiological because when we're excited, it's going to generate the same and similar sensations in the body as if we're experiencing terror. So oftentimes I meet with performers and they really are feeling a little bit of fear, but a lot of excitement, but they're interpreting it as if it's fear because it's similar sensations. Our heart rate increases, our breathing gets shallow, our muscles get tight, right? All of these things are automatic programs that happen for all of us. And our systems digest it in a little bit of a different way, but we can learn what ours feels like <laughs> so we can settle or get ourselves to a place where we can really step out. Because for some people, right, it sounds like for you, you're really harnessing that activation. Mm -hmm. For other people, it might be too activated. And when we're too activated, we don't have access to our talent. We don't have access to our brain. We we go blank. We can't remember our lines. We don't know what we're saying, right? There are real physiological components that kick in when there's activation. So it's learning that fine line. And it sounds like you have it, which is that just, I call it like that just right activated, right? Or that just right nervous. Because we don't want to be totally calm before we go into a big performance. We want to be a little jazzed. And so it's learning about what that is for your system. Some people only need a very little bit of that in order to really give them what they need. Other people need more of an oomph, right? So it's about learning what that is inside your own system. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of mine comes from doing public speaking all of my adult life, you know, so, so, and, and, and when I say that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just speaking. I'm, I'm very often training people to do presentations and things. And I always say, if you're not feeling any adrenaline before you go on stage, so to speak, before you, before you do your presenting, then you, you don't have that, that passion, that energy to share and feed with your audience on. Yeah, absolutely. Because a healthy nervous system goes through these activation and deactivation cycles. Activation is like life force energy. We wake up in the we have the energy, right? We wake up in the morning, we feel passionate, right? We feel driven. And what right? And so we want some of that when we're stepping into that performance arena. But what happens is the activation gets skewed. Our system might get activated, but then I have lots of thoughts about that. Oh, no, I'm too nervous. I'm going to mess up, right? All the negative thinking and comparisons start kicking in. And then the, because of that mind-body connection you were talking about at the beginning, the more my thoughts increase, the more jacked up my system gets. The more jacked up my system gets, the more thoughts increase, right? And it's sort of this really vicious cycle that then knocks out your ability to perform the way that you want to. Yeah. So how do we, how, how do you work with, with your clients? So if you're, cause you're starting with that, the nervous system, right? Yes. How do you, what, what does it look like to work with you? Sure. So we're looking at the mind-body connection and really looking at both pieces, right? We start by demonstrating and being in sort of experiential um, 
little exercises around what is the mind-body connection and then looking together that we're going to be looking at our brain and how our brain works and how our mind kicks in. And then we're also going to be looking at our body and our energy. And so there is a lot of education that goes into the work because we want to be able to intellectually understand what our bodies are designed to do. Because when we know that, then it's less Mm, weighted, so to speak, when we're in a moment and we feel what I would call activation, which is that that natural nervous system response. And we learn how to be a neutral observer of our brain and of our nervous system so that we can um, use tools and strategies to align them to get them to do what we want. So we're learning foundational education around these pieces and then learning tools and strategies to be working with your nervous system to get it to a place that you're able to perform from. So I do work a lot with people around um, learning how to just find a baseline because so many of us are so jacked up all the time from the world we're living in, right? So starting at, it's, it's very hard if you're in your life and you're busy and you're overloaded to then expect yourself to then present or be in this big performance. You're not going to have a lot of capacity because your system's already really jacked up from the doing and the working. So a lot of times a starting point is starting to identify like, what is a baseline in your system? What is like on zero to 10 where 10 is I'm freaking out and zero is I'm nice and calm. Like, where are you a zero in your life? Where do you feel that? What does it feel like in your body? So we have to start with that piece so that we can move from that piece to then start to embody confidence. We can't embody confidence from a really activated, overwhelmed place. We have to settle and then step into it. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I've i been playing with that in my mornings because that is the only guaranteed point in the day when I'm at a zero. Yes. Just brief. Yes. And, and of course, when we wake up and we pick up our phone or, you know, something wakes us up as it did for me this morning, there were several vans going on and all <laughs> kinds of stuff outside is making me crazy. So I, you wake up, I, I, that zero is, is a fraction of a second and then it's, uh, it's already up. And, I, and, I, and so I've been playing with that, that time of day to be able to, to really prolong that, that zero. Beautiful. Because I go very fast all of the time. Um, part of that is my extroversion. Mm -hmm. Part of that is my numbing practice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or my distractions. Some people will, will you know, do Netflix or gaming or drinking or whatever the thing is. My thing is being busy yeah. and, and drama. Um, and so... And so it's about kind of being able, for me anyway, being able to go back to those zero moments, yes. which I'm only realizing fairly recently is tough. If yeah. you've got, if you made your baseline at a nine. Exactly. If I'm never a zero, right, how am I going to expect myself to get there if I'm in a high pressure or high, you know, performance situation, right? So it really starts just the way you're describing and practicing at home when we're not in sort of like a high test situation, right? So that we can start to train the body because the good news is the body, I mean, even though we might be doing something for 30, 40 years, 
right? The body is also, you know, really flexible. This neuroplasticity in the brain, like we have this ability to be reconditioning and repatterning. So you starting with your morning practice, and then maybe you take three or four just minutes in other points of the day to get your system to drop down a couple notches, right? Like that's how we start <laughs> to really condition, right? And there are physiological practices we can be in that are designed to settle the nervous system, right? So we're not having to meditate. We're not having to like, you know, ohm our way into being calm. Oftentimes meditation for people who are what you're describing, I'm also very much um, relate <laughs> to the busy and the doing, right? To get ourselves to sit and meditate can be really activating, because you're taking your jacked up system and making it still, right? So what are the ways, right? We can find just moments so that the system gets a taste of the down regulation. We want that place to start to be really familiar. We want baseline or a lower number than nine, right? Like our new baseline, you know, to be something that we know that we can recognize and that we can physically get our tissues, our embodiment back into. So what's the what's the best place that you've found that to to start that? Um, you you mean in pre, in terms of practices? Yeah. In terms of in terms of if if you're always at an an eight or a nine or ten, then then where where is it for most people that it's most successful? Because I'm guessing working with professional athletes, I, I've worked with professional athletes in terms of mindset. Sure. Um, because quite a lot of them will choke at the, at the moment that where they've decided, oh, this is a really tough competitor. And every time we play Scotland or whatever it is, we lose. And then, and so guess what happens? So, but, but what you're talking about is really kind of being in embodying that winning spirit. But when you're dealing with people like that, I'm guessing their baseline is pretty high a lot of the time. So yeah, yeah. where do you start with? bringing people down into that, um, yeah. those lower numbers? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So one of the things, and just for anybody in the audience listening who might identify, right, with, with being that, that number all the time, um, it's taking stock over your lifetime of when you've been a zero, starting to really flat or lower or closer to a zero. Where are you in your life? Who are you with? And as you're in those memories, starting to identify what it feels like, what it felt like for you when you are there. So for a lot of athletes, I work a lot with high school athletes, um, you know, it's vacation, right? That, you know, the time they went to the beach with mom and dad and there was no school and, you know, no, you know, no sport and they could just relax. And so they might be a 10 all the time, but they've got that one memory of being, you know, a one or a two, right? For an extended period of time. <laughs> so it's it's starting to get creative, right? Um, in in imagining because of that mind-body connection. When I go into a memory in my imagination, my body is going to start to feel that way. Right. So if we can remember in our lifetime when we felt that way, right, we can start to build that imprint. Additionally, it's learning about the body in general. What I find even with athletes and so much of our world is we're, we're pretty, like you named at the beginning, like we numb or we're stuck in overwhelm or we're in overdrive and we're not paying attention to what is going on in our systems. And our systems are super savvy. 
they whisper, they let us know. So it's starting to learn how our system shows up to communicate to us that we're getting stressed out so that we can work with the lower points on that zero to 10 scale to get my body to calm down when I'm a nine is possible. It just takes a lot of time time our system needs time it needs permission it needs space and so with high performance athletes a lot of times or or anyone who has to step out on a stage right we might not have a lot of time to settle our system so if we can be tracking it earlier and catching it when we're at a lower number like a two three four it's way easier to be working with our bodies throughout a day oh i'm a five okay i'm gonna do a breathing practice right oh now i'm a three Right. So it's also then about noticing difference. Right. So we want to notice our zero and then we want to start to be able to notice difference, because I think a lot of times what happens for people is they just want to feel a certain way or they just want to be confident. And so even if they feel a little better using a tool or a strategy or practice, it still isn't all the way the way they want to feel. So it's not working. Right. And it's awful. Right. And then I have those thoughts and I'm going to jack myself right back up. So it's like learning for people how to notice and celebrate and recognize those like little shifts in your body. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So for me, um, uh, when I can't meditate Mm -hmm. is when I know I'm out of control. Yeah, that's a good, good signal. Because I know that I I'm 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 just not able to get still yeah and then it's like oh that means i'm gone way off the board right so so there must be people and i'm trying to imagine it because i have done other podcast episodes where we've talked about relieving the stress from our bodies and i can remember one in particular we actually had to do a second part because i didn't get it Mm. I, I genuinely, I wasn't messing around. I was with my co-pioneer, Ryan, uh, and the two of us were interviewing our, our, our guest. And I, I just kept saying, I, I don't, I, I don't know how I would be upright if I relieved that stress and tension yes. in my body. Like yeah. I, I really couldn't relate to it. And I'm starting to get the hang of it now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I can't, but I can't actually, you know, and, and, you know, we, we could go back to, um, you know, when did you experience it in childhood? And I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything. Right. I just, right. I, I just c- couldn't relate to any point in my life where I hadn't been ramped up. Right. Right. And, and that's what's so interesting sometimes about this. Cause a lot of times our patterns really are ancestral They might not be about like us specifically, and it's the energy behind like the environments we grew up in, whether it was the teachers at school or who we had as friends or our caregivers, right? So a lot of times there might not be, oh, that moment in childhood when, you know, I embarrassed myself and now I never want to step on a stage or I have a lot of fear. There are often people who also have those connections too, but for a lot of people, it can be really confusing, right? To not, like you're saying, to not be able to slow down, but your system is is super smart. It learned it needed to do that for whatever reason to survive in the environment that you grew up. 
right? And I think for so many of us, I mean, I know we're in two different states. I'm in the U.S. and you're in the U.K. Like there is still um, the the praising of overwork, the cultural sort of conditionings that we have, like around what's a good girl or, you know, a productive person or what's lazy if you rest. Like there are these ways we get these messages in our system. And so then our system goes, oh, that's not a good thing to do. I don't want to do that. And so then we learn <laughs> what to do. Um, you know, in my family of two um, really educated parents and, you know, I was just I was constantly I was getting good grades and I was a dancer and I did all this. You know, it was like that was just what fueled the love connection in my family was me overproducing. And and so that's what I learned was really safe, because not only are we wired for survival, we're wired to connect to our caregivers so that they don't abandon us because we need them. So oftentimes patterns might also come in from, you know, what we needed to do in order to receive love from the people that we grew up in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can still hear it because my children are grown now. I can still hear things that I've reinforced that I wish I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can only do the best that we can with what we've got in those moments. I'm really honest with them. I'm kind of like, okay, I made a mistake here. I'm just learning this. So let's learn this together. Mm -hmm. um, there must be some people, and I can't relate to it directly, but there must be some people who sit at a very low baseline, who sit at sort of the, the zero to three, who would be wondering how to get amped up. Yes. enough to do a Facebook Live or a presentation yes. or go on stage or something else. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I do have those people sometimes <laughs> spiral <laughs> into my world. Um, yeah, a couple of thoughts about that. You know, there are a number of breathing practices that, that are designed to what I would call downregulate your nervous system, which is like settle your physiology, make you feel more calm, get your eight number down. And then you can take some of those practices and then flip them in order to amp up the energy in your physiology. So, so if we're wanting to sort of like get a little, little amped, um, you know, a little tip, tip for the audience, right? It, in breathing, sort of there's a misconception around taking a deep breath calms you down. Right. So I just want to dispel that myth. <laughs> what actually calms you down is your exhale. So our physiology is designed. So if we take an inhale and then we give ourselves a longer exhale, that's going to down regulate your body more than like if you just breathe in regular or you do a box breath. So when you extend your exhale and you really elongate it, it's what actually helps calm your physiology down. So I teach a breath called a 315 breath where you're breathing in for three seconds, you hold it, and you exhale down and out for five. So this is the calming down one, right? If you want to get your system to calm down. If we want to amp your system up, we take that number and we reverse it. So, you, so you're going to take a longer inhale and a really short exhale and a nice long inhale and a... Oh yeah. It makes my heart beat. Yeah. I'm just going to twice. Yeah. Right. And so you have to be really careful. We don't want to amp your system up too much, right? It just takes one or two of those sometimes for some of us who run a little bit higher. 
Um, but when you do that's because I do have a lot of people because for some people pressure or going into a performance situation, they might not be a three, they might be in a free, like more of like freezy energy, what I would call. And so that, so that might present as calm, but they're more disconnected or shut off. And so this can be a good way to sort of bring in some, some fire into the system and some life force to kind of wake up a little bit the ways you might be feeling stuck in your body and in your system. Interesting. Interesting. That's, that's a good technique for hangover. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do, I, I fortunately don't, don't do that stuff anymore, but I, but I, I, I can see there are times when, when people just need to get that energy. Yeah. Would you recommend that amping up for somebody who is in a, a depressed state like a because i've had we all had days probably during COVID. every one of us had some days where we just didn't want to get up yes yeah and there there is so maybe not that specific practice for a depressed state but there is a way right when depression is right uh, an expression in the physiology right where where energy or emotion or needs are being suppressed and overrode, right? So we literally are depressing those things into our system, which makes us feel tired and makes us feel heavy. So sometimes we have to like actually get our body, make our bodies move to get the motivation. So for more depressed clients, it's like getting outside in the morning to go for a walk, even if you don't want to, to move your body, like to move your body and get some of the sunlight on on your face right so um you know other practices would be you know to have song on and just start to move your body if you can move your body even if it's a little teeny tiny little bit in a chair or in a bed that's gonna move the stuckness we're energy and everything is moving so even when we feel depressed or stuck or blocked it's still moving it's still movement right and we forget that we're living processes. We're not fixed, right? We're an organism that's living. And so when we can invite in just a little bit of movement or like getting in a shower or going outside, that's going to shift like the, the physical state. Um, the, the other, you know, component around like depression or feeling down or feeling stuck is um, slower strength movements to free up some of the energy. So like pushing against a wall or like if you have a partner leaning in, like sometimes with my husband, I'll like lean into him and have him give me resistance so I can just like push a little bit. Sometimes that slow movement with resistance can um, unwind some stuckness. Right. And then you might feel sad or you might feel angry. Right. Like depression is because we're we're overriding how we feel in our needs. And so it's like when we start to release some of that or bring in more movement, we might have bigger emotional expression. And and sometimes that's where the wanting to stay in bed all day. Yeah. Is avoiding those feelings. A hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. And that can be conscious, like I know that I'm going to have these feelings, but it also can be unconscious and self-protective. Like depression is self-protective. It's like, it's a, a state in the body because the body's like, let's not deal with this. That's really too much. This is easier. Yeah. And so, in, and so I know a lot of people can beat themselves up about feeling that way or not being able to get motivated, but it really is like we want to 
thank you body for protecting us, but <laughs> I'm ready to not feel this way anymore. Yeah. And the only way through is through, right? It's like, yeah, you sure. still have to feel that. I avoided that for decades. Most of my adult life, I avoided those things and pushed them all down until COVID. And then I couldn't be busy and I couldn't be around people and I couldn't be, you know, all of that drama, all those things kind of fell away after the, after the initial response to, oh no, we're in lockdown. Once that fell away, it was kind of like, oh, well now I'm left with my feelings. This sucks. Yeah. 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 So, and, and so that, that kind of coming up, I imagine, and, and I, I, I don't know, I, I have, um, one of my, my grown children, uh, suffers with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a constant, you know, thought, you know, that, and, and catastrophizing and, and experiencing as if it's real. And yes. I have known people who shake with anxiety, you know, it's like a, it, so is that kind of the opposite of depression or in terms of what's going on in your body? Yeah. So what you're describing from my perspective would be sort of an expression of activation in the system. Yeah. Right. Like when, when our system's activated, right, we're going to have in, the increased heart rate, breathing, muscle tightening. Right. And then that's that, you know, so, so people who are sort of like, like hyper anxious and doing and sort of that type A movement. Depression is you take all of that and then there's so much of that, it shuts you down. Right. So it's a hypo state. So hyper state versus hypo state um, in the system. So they're, they're expressions in like of the nervous system in different, different ways and different systems will express. Like I imagine given what you described about yourself, makes sense to me that your, that your child, right would be more of the hyper right in that anxious or the busy brain and the catastrophizing right whereas um my i have a son who um i have an older son who was 16 i got pregnant in college um and i hadn't found any of the body work and i was pretty shut down so his default i mean he has anxiety but his default is he it's a little flatter it's a little freezier so it necessarily say he's depressed but how it shows up in his system is a little bit more of a shutdown. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, and I, I have no way to prove it, but I have a very strong suspicion. I had a, a, a very difficult, stressful um, situation while I was pregnant with him. And so uh, my, then my late husband were, went into um uh, very extreme care in the States while we were transiting on a flight. He was stuck there for months wow. on and off, whether he was going to live. We had just moved house. I didn't even know where the house was or how to get there. Uh, all the children were in new schools. I was still running a business and his business. And, you know, so it was chaos. Yeah. While I was, while he was in utero. Yes. Yeah. I have a theory that, that, that energy of just which, for me was pretty, pretty calm. Like I felt like I was pretty gliding through it because I was very much, I'm very much a control the controllables person. And I was like, you know what? I, I I can't, I can't change somebody else's health. I can't change something halfway around the world. I can't, you know, all of these, all of these kind of things in my own mindset were very healthy, 
but I know that my body will have had a contraction. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And how could you not, right? Some of, like one of those things that you named, right, would be a lot yeah. in itself, right? But sort of a lot of unknowns that you're talking about that your nervous system then was sitting in. And, you know, our, our, <laughs> our patterns develop when we're, we're in, inside the womb, right? Yeah. So, and how we come out in the world and a lot of the ways we're shaped is from that. And because of the intelligence of our organism, that even if we're identified as having anxiety or we feel like we have these disorders or problems, from my perspective, like working on regulating your nervous system, working on learning your physiology, you can train your body to settle, which settles your thoughts. We can rewire and change our brain chemistry. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It just, it takes a lot of intention and work and time. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you stand on things like hypnotherapy? So I think that there are so many brilliant approaches to so to, to all sorts of healing and that we all have to find the different threads that like work best for our system. Mm-hmm. I think that if someone's pretty resourced and like and and can work with their own triggers and be with their own stuff. I mean, I've had clients and I've had friends, I've had sessions myself where hypnotherapy is really successful. I've also known people that get blown out by, by a hypnotherapy session where it was too much or because they're, they weren't sort of, they were being led in, a, in too deep in, in a way their system wasn't um, ready for. Right. And so we have to kind of know our own limits in our system and be able to have support afterwards if we have a session that's too much. Right. So it's a so it can work really well in tandem with with your work. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because we want to make sure that that anyone is having sort of like an understanding of their system and what's showing up. So we're not freaking out when we're having symptoms or, you know, our body or nervous system communicates through sensation. So a lot of times we can feel weird things in our body, pulching, twitching, heat, vibration, right? All different things. And that can be really frightening when you're not used to letting yourself feel those things. Yeah. And sense them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when we're young adults, we, we just think we're the only one that feels those yeah. things because it's not, it's not widely talked about. So I love that you are sharing this. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't planned to go down the hypnotherapy. It was just when you were talking about, you know, it can take a while to retrain. I was like, but hypnotherapists would say we can do this in a few sessions, which is probably three hours, you know? Right. Right. And from my, and again, everyone has different perspectives and there's so many different lenses into healing. And mm-hmm. I can go very woo woo with you around the healing. Cause I am all for that in lots of different quantum ways. And there is a real way that our bodies are designed to heal. And there are real ways that our bodies are designed to come into organization. And so when we create the space for the body to do that on its own, in its own timing, that's when lasting healing happens, right? There's so many of us that want the quick fixes. And, you know, I love that nervous system regulation sort of like this hot topic and it's everywhere, Um, but it's not a soundbite right? It's like a committed practice to be in. And it's not quick fit. Like, I mean, love me a cold shower or a cold dunk or, you know, some of these other really great things that are helpful. And right. There's this real truth of, you know, we can like, like 
sink into that natural cycle of our system and and access our healing potentials that we have ourselves. Yeah. And it and it is a practice and I think I think too often people are looking for a quick fix. You know, these you know, meditation is a practice, mindfulness is a practice. They, these practices are that that's that they're lifetime. Yeah, for sure. Be present, right? Like be, wanting to show up or like and be in the connection, right? Yeah. I mean, how, how many of us have like driven somewhere and gotten there and been like, where, where was I during that car ride, right? So I mean, it's from that very little bit of just showing up and being in our bodies to, you know, all of these other pieces. Absolutely. I, I work with a lot with musicians. And I know, you, you know, you, you talked about you working with athletes. And so they never stop practicing, you know, once they get to the Olympics, once they're, they're professional musicians, they, 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 they never stop practicing. I, I have a, a, a pianist that I work with who is just stunning. I mean, it brings people to tears to listen to a concert, but I, I'm there setting up the stage two, three hours before and he's practicing. Do you know what I mean? It's like it never stops. And that's something that people have to get their head around is that that these in order for us to be healthy it's not it's not a quick fix and it's not something that you you know we we learned it really quickly maybe but you know but but we have to, we have a lifetime of practice and, and each one of us has has our own our own practice so um so so sarah if you were going to perform cabaret you mentioned that you'd done some dancing i did if you yeah. were to perform cabaret would it be dancing that you'd want to do on stage or would you want to try something different so I so so in in line with the show, dancing would be my safe zone, and singing would be my edge. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. Yes, but yes, I would get up on I could get up on stage and do the dancing thing and feel pretty confident. And what kind of dancing is it? So I mean, I grew up dancing all sorts of different um, genres, and then before COVID, I stopped. But I was a Nia instructor, which is a holistic dance fitness that blends martial arts and healing arts and a movement practice. Um, so yeah, a little, little freestyle. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, you, it would be really, I would love to spend time before and then during and after a performance of yours, just to kind of experience what happens and how you're regulating your nervous system because it would be a masterclass in that. <laughs> I just kind of switch off on stage. I, I, as in, and I freestyle because I have no rhythm. Like genuinely people think, oh yeah, you're just saying that. I really don't have rhythm. Um, and I don't remember choreo. So I, I try, but I always end up freestyling anyway. So I've given up now. I've stopped trying. <laughs> to to learn choreo i know what i'm going to do but i don't know quite how that's going to play out and and because i used to beat myself up and go oh i didn't do that thing that i practiced so hard and that that the steps and whatever but i i kind of just resign myself to the fact that it's going to be on stage and then it just happens yeah. and 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 it's just a connection with energy in the room yeah um, which is what I love about cabaret because it is a small audience yeah. and it's very intimate, which for some people would be that, that would be the thing that would bump them up to nine or 10 because you really are connected to your audience. Right. Right. You know, so would you prefer that kind of like a big audience where you don't have that connection or would you prefer that more intimate? 
So I would say my nervous system would prefer the more the more intimate um, environment, the more people that I'm in front of, even if I'm, you know, feeling or knowing that I'm confident, it jacks up my system. Mm -hmm. So I, I do a lot of um, practices and, and working with my system, like before I'm getting on, you know, if I'm doing a teaching in front of a hundred people or, you know, those kinds of things that might jack me up more. I, even though this is my work, right. I'm I'm still a human. I've got all the patterns of, of my family. I am a woman and we've got patterns of witches being burned for sharing their gifts and their healing potentials. Right. So there's that real, um, annihilation fear, that shows up in my system. I'm also Jewish. My, my very Italian last name is my husband's. Um, so, so I carry a lot of um, my ancestral fear of being seen because that equals annihilation in my nervous system. So, um, so if I were to get in front of a bigger group, that would be a lot more that I'm dancing with in my system than if it was just a small, small little environment. It's really interesting that you raise it because it's a great example of where the ancestral comes up. You know, <clears throat> I've never spoken to a woman and, and a lot of men as well. Um, when I say, you know, the work that I do is about us not shrinking. Yeah. Every single woman that I've spoken to goes, yeah. Right. And that breaks my heart because I yes. think there are parts in all of our lives where we shrink. Um, but we don't know how to track that back into, you know, where that rational beginning was of it. Right, right. And what you're talking about with the, the ancestral, literally, you know, hiding or, or let's say keeping a low profile just to- Yeah, kind of low, low profile, yeah. Um, that's a, it's a great example of that. And I think, you know, I, I, I because of Cabaret, I work in the queer community. Yeah. Um, very similar, you know, <clears throat> particularly in, in the trans environment, you know, with the, the kind of just don't be seen, don't be seen, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a self-protect, like when our body does this, right, like that's an automated response, right? Like our bodies like hide, this is safer, right? So it's, it's learning how to sort of be working with the physical body and working with your embodiment patterns so that you know, and it's often you start alone, right? Because it's safer to be alone or in front of a mirror, right? And then in front of another person and you'll notice when the pattern starts to kick in and you can play and work with that. Absolutely. I was talking to somebody last night. I was uh, somebody I was working with about uh, doing exotic dance. Mm -hmm. So she does aerial. Yeah. She's also a professional musician. So she's used to perfecting things, right? Yeah. So she treats she treats something like like pole dancing as a, as a gymnast you know it's a, it's a really yeah. athletic thing and she can't she struggles to play and have that fluidity with it and i was just playing with her in the door frame and she was sort of going you this is so uncomfortable and i was saying but it's my body and i'm just leaning on a door and i'm just sliding up and down it and you know and it's interesting how how you know, she's obviously had conditioning without, you know, going too much into it, but she's obviously had conditioning around, you, it has to produce something. Yes. Yeah. So many of us have that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
and I think that that whole kind of shrinking piece, um, we don't always have to get to the root of it, mm-hmm. but it's great if we can kind of understand where our expression is coming from. Yeah. Which is where my next kind of standard question uh, for, for podcast episodes comes from. Um, but I know you'll get this. If you were taking a prop on stage with you, mm-hmm. what would you take with you? <laughs> what a question. I was taking a prop. So you're hmm. going to go, you're going to be in an intimate environment because that's more comfortable and you're going to maybe dance and and maybe a little singing if, if you were going to push it. What would you want to have with you? I'm Okay. Wow, I know I'm going to leave and I'm going to be have, come up with all sorts of other ideas. But what came to me as you were talking would be like an oversized boa that I could drape in front of my face and hide if I needed to, or use the softness of the feathers to sort of soothe my system if I was feeling jacked up, or wrap it around my body to feel sort of like the c- containment if I need to. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of having it to be able to put it in front of my face if I needed to. Yeah. And that's why I ask that question. Because for a lot of people, you know, it's the playfulness of maybe a, a huge feather fan or a hat or something that they're playing with. But but there is very often an element of, but I can also hide behind it. You know, I can mm-hmm. hold that hat in front of my face or I can wrap myself and feel secure in a boa. Yes. Um, and I love what you're saying about being able to soothe your nervous system with just the, the softness of it. You know, yeah. it, it, I, last night I was running an event and I, I, I was wearing a coat. I could have worn any coat I wanted, but I wore one that was felt really secure and, you know, snuggly because I was uncomfortable. Um, not because of the event, but because of, it was cold and, and sure. lots of things, you know, but, we, but it's, it's very soothing to the, to the nervous system to have something that for me feels like a teddy bear but you know so i love that kind of the the boa where you can but you can also reveal with it yes. if you choose to yes yeah and going at your own pace mm-hmm. absolutely and it's big it's much bigger than a hat it covers more of you if you want it to yes yeah so i i uh, that's why i ask that question and and most of the time my guests kind of think it's an odd question and why are you asking me this but i'll answer because yeah you know but but it but it is that whole kind of thing of you know we sometimes those things that are comfortable for us it's making those into tools yes for sure yeah that's such a good point so what color is your boa purple oh i love that maybe a little silver sparkles in there and then the beauty of it is because I'm always talking about extending and owning your space. And for a lot of people, especially women, but not only women, is just even holding your arms out at length is hard. Yes. And if you've got that boa, you're extended even further. Yes. Well, and that's really open, right? From a nervous system perspective, mm-hmm. like another practice to be in to build in these embodiment patterns is just lying down on the ground with your um, hands behind your head and your elbows back and opening up this whole area and just breathing there. So even as I'm doing, this is not comfortable for me because this is something I'm still working on. So I can feel my heart rate start to increase a little bit and my breathing gets shallow because it's very open. There's a vulnerability to your neck. There's a vulnerability to your chest. 
Yeah, there really is. And that's really counterintuitive to our, uh, to our survival. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's something to play with. It's like power pose or, you know, any of those kind of fun little, little imprints, but that, that is to work on the vagus nerve and to help feel comfortable sort of being open and out. And that's like, you can do it before, as you're going to bed, lie on the floor, lie in your bed and just stay open and see if you can breathe and notice if you get activated, if you get activated, that's great. Take your arms down a little three, one, five breath, settle your nervous system. Then you can try it again. Oh, that's fun. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that right after this. I love that. <laughs> I love having things to play with. Okay. So, so one final cabaret question, Sarah, um, what is your stage name as you're about to go on and dance in your intimate cabaret with your purple boa? The divine activatrix. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. I'm just doing a little happy dance in my chair here. That's okay. Say it again. The divine activatrix. Activatrix. Please welcome to the stage. The divine activatrix. I would have to practice that that word. <laughs> activatrix. I love that. Thanks. That has a lot of resonance for me. Mm. And you know, I, I I like to share with. Um, with guests around that, what is that inner knowing in mm. you? And how do we connect with that? Because for me, that is my power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have changed my stage name a couple of times, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and most people do. Um, you know, if you, you come across some of the, the most famous drag queens, they'll very often have a, an initial stage name, for example. Um, that no longer represents us or no longer is the story that we wish to express. Mm. Um, and yet it's amazing how often we shrink away from that inner power and allowing right. that to come out. So I love that you're just like, yeah, I know who I am. The energy I've been playing with. So it's so fun. You asked that question. I was like, I know what I'm going to answer. I love that. I absolutely love that because it's that energy that for me, can channel for, at least for me this works is to channel that i know who i am yes. when i am expressing this energy yeah and it feels a certain way in our bodies when we're in that expression yeah yeah and then and then for me that's what allows me to channel it rather than oh i'm a bit nervous and oh what are they going to think and what if i fall and what if I, it's like oh no <laughs> no, this does not matter because I am in my diva mode. Love it. Yes. So I love that. The divine act. I've got to work on that word. Activatrix. Yes. I love this for you. Thank you. So Sarah, what is your favorite piece of advice that you've ever had? There is no one right way to do anything. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. There is no right way to do anything. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yes. So, uh, Sarah, where can people find you to find out more about your work and, and how to work with you? Sure. So um, I have two websites. So for athletes and performers, that's peakperformwithsarah.com. 
Sarah doesn't have an age. So, <laughs> and, um, and for all of my other work, entrepreneurs or humans looking to, to work in their own um, somatic and energetic practices and expand their capacity to sort of experience life with some more ease, um, that's saravittori.com. Brilliant. And I will put those in the, into the show notes as well. If you're listening to this on podcast, you can you can check out the links on there, Sarah, without an H, as you say. And Vittoria is V-A-T-O-R-E. So you'll be able to find it easily. And you can always reach out to me, Heather Jean, and I will put you in touch because I genuinely believe that we need to find the things that speak to us, that we need to raise our confidence, whatever that means. And that's what this podcast is all about, is just really kind of connecting to what makes sense for you to raise your confidence. I really appreciate you being here. I have loved this conversation. So fun, Heather Jean. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, it is such a pleasure. It is such a pleasure. And I feel like we need to do this again. And I I I really do. I feel like there's I just there's so many so much more oh, I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So uh, we are Confidence Through Cabaret on all of the socials and we love having you be here. So get involved and reach out, reach out to Sarah Fattori as well. If this is something that you want to find out more about and explore, it just for me right now in this moment feels so unlimited about what you could explore with Sarah in, in, in terms of your mind-body connection. And uh, I just love that you've shared with us, Sarah. Thank you. And I love that you are all here and listening or watching or both. Please like and subscribe wherever you are. Uh, reach out and comment. We love sharing comments with you as well. We are Confidence Through Cabaret on all the socials except for Twitter. We are at YBYWYS. And I am at Heather. Nope, let me try that again. I'm at Heather YBYWYS on Clubhouse. And those six beautiful little letters stand for It Is Your Body. And it is your world. Mm. And it is your stage. Take up space and own it. Ah, oh, I love that. Thank you for doing that, Sarah. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you again next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.